overflow supply of that spirit, your spirit. Without your spirit, we have no power. Without your spirit, we don't have the life. Without your spirit, we don't have revelation and wisdom. For it's your spirit that teaches us all things and shows us all things. And Thank you for your Holy Spirit to just saturate this room right now and each and every one in it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hey, how many of you have ever said or heard the word, boy, wouldn't it be so cool to get back to the New Testament church in the book of Acts? Anybody ever say that? I used to say that a lot, and then I got taught some lessons, and I'm going to share some things with you, and I'm going to start off by saying, actually, Cornerstone is probably as close to the New Testament book of Acts church as you'll ever see, and I'm going to show you how that works. Matter of fact, um, I'm going to share some things about the church that we hear a lot of times, oh, the church is dead, or I don't have to be part of a corporate church, and, you know, all these things. But the church began at the Pentecost, but actually Jesus began to talk about the church even before Pentecost. And the church is mentioned in the New Testament in most virgin versions over 130 times. Matter of fact, it says the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. That the church is the bride of Christ. That the church is the body of Christ. And on and on and on. I just want to share a few of these um, um, of the 130 verses about the church. Let me just share a few of them. And I, I know I'm going to get going in a lot of facts and stuff, but please um, take note. Um, church. First of all, the word church means the assembly of called out ones or an assembly of those who've been called out of the world. So the definition of a church is those who come together and assemble themselves that have been called out of the world. Amen? Have you been called out of the world? So usually it's the assembly of those who got saved. So the cool thing about a church is usually the, if it's not the first or second, third or fourth time, Usually folks get saved by them. And it's about believers coming together. And uh, the church belongs to God, it says in the New Testament. It's his. He created it. It's the body of Christ, it says in four different places in the New Testament. Um, the church is the foundation stone of Christ. Being, I'm sorry, the church is the, the building and Christ being the foundation stone. That's in several different scriptures. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Again, I, too many scriptures to read, but um, many scriptures on that. Loved by Christ, the church is loved by Christ. That's in uh, three different verses. Purchased by the blood of Christ in Acts, Ephesians, Hebrews, and other places. The church has been purchased. You've been purchased by the blood of Christ. Sanctified and cleansed by Christ. First uh, Corinthians, Ephesians, Ephesians, Hebrews. It's subject to Christ. Christ is the head of the church. And it displays the wisdom of God to the world. The church is to display the wisdom of God to the world. That's in Ephesians. Um, the New Testament gathering church corporately if you look at um, first in the books the epistles most of them are written to the church the church that is in Corinth the church that is in Colossae 
The church that is in the Ephesian or Ephesus, the church that was in um, Laodicea, the church that was in, and you can see in the beginning of the salutations that the church, the epistles were written to the church, and there was a corporate gathering, and they usually, it says in a couple places in Scripture, that they would meet corporately on Sundays. Where did we get our Sunday worship? Because a lot of people say the Sabbath is Saturday, but the church, when it was formed, began to meet on the first day of the week. That's why we meet on the first day of the week, because we're following the biblical model of the church. The church is an entity that was started by Jesus Christ after his blood was shed. And it's something that wasn't in the Old Testament. So a lot of people say, well, you guys aren't meeting on the Sabbath, so you can't be right. You know, there's a, some of those, you know, it's got to be Saturday Sabbath thing. But I want to show you something else that actually the church met day to day. The church met every single day. You're going to say, how in the world can we do all that? Well, the church actually, in six different places, met house to house, it says. So here's how the early church looked. The church of Galatia, which is a region, would meet on Sundays. But house churches all through Galatia would meet all through the week, individually. And so life groups is not something new. Life groups is actually in the New Testament book of Acts and all the way through the epistles. It's the, actually the way God wanted to design the church. He wanted to have corporate meetings. Usually the corporate meetings were on, well, they were on Sunday. And then from day to day to day, they met in homes, broke bread, shared things together. Things, and I'm, I'll, I will actually show you in Scripture, because I don't want you to believe what I'm saying. I want you to hear what I'm saying out of the Scripture. So again, the, the larger New Testament church gathered on, on Sunday, that can be, you can look that up in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Um, what did they do? Um, well, let me read some scriptures to you. I'll just... Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. So continuing daily in one accord and in the temple and in breaking of bread from house to house. So they had their big temple meeting, but they also broke bread from house to house. And they continued daily, that's saying. They ate their food with gladness, so they were sharing food, breaking bread with each other. Um, with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were to be saved. So what, how could he add to the church daily those to be saved unless somebody was talking to them daily and bringing people in daily? So again, this daily thing keeps coming up over and over again that the church actually was had a daily mission. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19 says, And the church of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla greet you uh, heartily unto the Lord, with the church that is in their house. Again, let me read another one about a church that was in their house. Romans 16, 5. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Ephroditus and the first fruits of Acacia. To Christ. Colossians 4.15. Greet the brethren of Laodicea and of Nymphus and the church that is in their house. And this goes on and on through the New Testament. Let me give you another one. Philemon 1.2. To all the beloved, Aphia, Achippus, and his fellow soldier, and to the church that is in their house. 
The New Testament church, the one church, the Book of Acts church, here's what it looked like according to the scriptures. They got together corporately in big meetings in either temples or fields or wherever they could get because they had no buildings until about the third century. So for almost 300 years, they really didn't own a bunch of buildings. They got together where they could in corporate settings once a week, usually on the first day of the week. But they met from house to house to house every single day of the week. They met from house to house to house to house. That's what the New Testament church looked like, and that's how it grew so quickly. People say, well, how did Paul have all that leadership ability? How did he raise up all those people? How did the church grow so fast? When you've got a local church in a local community, let's say in Interlochen, and you've got houses all around that church, who's going to be added to the church daily? It's going to be your neighbors, your friends, those who are new to the corporate church are going to get added into that church. And as they get added into that church, what happens? They get saved there. Guess what happens in those places? Um, if we're 150, 200, let's say we're going to be 250 strong. It's going to be hard for us to have a word, somebody prophesy, somebody come up with a word in tongues with an interpretation in a corporate setting. It just isn't going to flow well. That's why you don't see it much in the big churches that are four, five, six hundred and more. But that does happen in house to house. Matter of fact, it is actually asked. I mean, it's actually encouraged to happen according to the Word of God. You're supposed to use your spiritual gifts in those situations. So, what, what does it look like? What does uh, um, the New Testament church look like, again, according to the Scripture? Well, they worshipped together. They practiced their spiritual gifts together. There was discipleship taking place. There was prayer taking place. They were breaking bread together. There was actually the Lord's table, the, the Lord's supper that was taking place, or communion a lot of times in, in the house churches. There was baptisms. People were getting saved, so they're getting baptism in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what a life group looked like in the early church. By design, Deborah and I have been pushing, I guess you would say, life groups. We call them houses of prayers for almost the 40 years we've been married and, and uh, saved. We've been part of them from almost day one. And we encouraged them. When I, when I became pastor here, I encouraged life groups. And we didn't call them them. We called them houses of prayer then. Because we knew, we knew, and we knew that life happens outside these four walls. This is a place where we come together corporately. This is a place where our tithes and offerings come. This is a place where we come together and worship God. This is Cornerstone where we have membership. This is the mother church that we come together on on Sunday. But the children churches of Cornerstone, which are still Cornerstone, meet in life groups throughout the week. Again, that's what the New Testament book of Acts all the way through the epistles looks like. And that's what a church should look like. Let me, um, again, go through some things what it should look like. According to the scriptures, the biblical model is, number one, Life groups aren't some option that we add to the church. Oh, let's have life groups because it's a good thing and maybe we could help the church. Life church is foundational to Cornerstone. 
Life church, I mean, life groups are foundational to every church if you're going to follow the biblical model. They are the foundation of the church. Small group ministry must be the foundation of our churches today, not a nice add-on. God chose us to develop, um, God chose to develop his first disciples through house-to-house -house ministry. And the purpose of life group ministry back in the New Testament days is still the same. Secondly, it develops disciples and leaders from within. You know, I, I do understand that sometimes we have to go outside the church to get leadership, but in the early church, the leaders grew up in that church and became leaders of that church. And when they were planting churches, yeah, they brought in people to plant churches, but the leaders of that church came from within that church. Early church house churches developed leadership naturally and internally by encouraging believers to lean on their own spiritual gifts. If I put, if I came in and let's say we put Dennis in charge of a, a life group, he's going to grow real quick because he's got to disciple that life group and kind of watch over that life group. And when error or anything else comes in, he's got to kind of watch over that. And pretty soon you get a couple of people that are kind of like overseeing that life group. All of a sudden you got spiritual gifts of, of actually leadership being used in that life group. Where do you get your leaders? Where do you get your um, deacons at? Where do you get those who become leaders in the church? Paul knew what he was doing when he was planting all these churches and these house churches. That's where they come from. That's where they grow. That's where they kind of have an incubator where they can kind of get things worked out. Does it make sense? God is smart. He knows what he's doing. Um, many are the, it's amazing, you know, people say again how quickly the early church grew. Well, when it's a natural incubator of leadership in houses, the houses that's kind of, and then what happens is, let's say you got one in, in, in interlock, and that they can only fit 14 people, and what happens? Oh boy, you just had another spinoff, and you just had another life group start off because not all those people can fit in that house, and now we're going to start another one. And guess what happens? All of a sudden, the church starts expanding all over the place because. Oh, I, I've got only room for like 8 or 10. Like in Helen's house, there's only room for 10. So when they get to 10 or 12, boom, spinoff. Come on. Do you see how the church grows? Do you, see, do you understand what the model of the New Testament church is and how church growth grows? Matter of fact, Robert Morris, who Denny uh, was talking about, Robert Morris has a mega church, thousands and thousands, this big, giant mega church in Texas. But... If you listen to Robert Morris, almost all their growth comes from their life groups. Let me say that again so you hear it and understand it. The megachurch just didn't grow up by itself. There was home churches going on, life groups going on all around that area. And as those life groups grew, they came into the church, Cornerstone, we'll say, Assembly of God, or Gateway, that was. And that church grew because of the home fellowships, the houses of prayer, or if you want to call them life groups. That's how their church grows. That's how most church grows, happens. That's how the New Testament grew, church grew. So, when I said, how would you like to have a church that's like the New Testament Book of Acts Church. 
this isn't something we, Pastor Brenda or I, are doing willy-nilly. This has been a planned approach for years to model this church after the New Testament model and the New Testament ways of Jesus Christ. If we're not going to be a church after the way he modeled it, we might as well just put Social Club out there. Amen? So they didn't have real formal leadership structures in, the, in each one of these life groups, I'll call it. But what happened is leaders were born. Mm. There was a transformational agenda, life-giving thing that was happening. Because in small groups, what happens when somebody needs prayer in a small group? You get around them and you pray. You know the needs of the people. What happens if somebody has a word in a small group? They give the word. And they're encouraged to give the word. What happens if somebody has a question in a small group? Like right now, do you, if we had four or five people start stepping up and saying, I got a question, I got a question, it, it, we'd be out of order in a large group like this. But in a small group, that is part of the order. What happens to back then where women had no rights, according to society? But in the small group setting and in Christianity, the woman had the right in a small group to ask questions and to actually grow and become part of the leadership. Because that's exactly what happened in small home churches. And we can go on and on and on about some of these things. And I, Well, we, it is the afternoon service, isn't it? I could do that. You guys know me already, so I've already done this to you enough. But how many people will give me five more minutes? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five, forty. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But are you kind of getting, and I urge you, I urge you to just search the scriptures on this. So disciples were formed. Lives were changed. How are lives changed in early house churches or Discipleship groups or life groups. Well, they grew and multiplied um, because it was a one-on-one -on -one ministry going on. I can't get into one-on-one -on -one ministry with Kirk right now. I'm up here preaching. But in, in home groups, you can get into that situation and you can do that. And even though we have altar ministry, that one-on-one -on -one ministry is important. We're being lights. We're allowing us in our neighborhood to allow our lights to shine within our neighborhood, transform lives, transform people. Amen? And when they experience that healing for themselves, healings happen in small groups. Oh, it's just, I don't know. Um, you get connected to ministry in small groups. Early house churches network together. We're not independent agencies. They were not independent. Let me tell you this again. The church of Galatia was the corporate church like like Cornerstone. And all these house churches were not some independent things going their own way. They were still part of the main body. This is not something where you can go run off and start your own, you think, in your own church. They still corporately came together and connected themselves into ministry. So I know that what happens in a lot of Churches, they say, life groups, ooh, that's where someone's going to go off and do something in their home. Then they're going to take 8 or 10 or 15 people out of our church and start their own church when they get mad at what I said at the pulpit. So a lot of pastors are actually fearful of having life churches going on or life groups going on in their church for that reason. But when people are in unity and oneness with the Lord, 
there's not that um, rebellious mentality, I'm going off to start my own church. No, I want to be part of the body, the corporate body of Christ, and we're all one and one in Christ. So that's one of the things that kind of hold back a life groups now. And, but we can't be like that as pastors. We can't be like that. We have to do it the biblical model. And if someone wants to go off and be rebellious, so be it. We need to take advantage of the larger resources that a, a large body brings. Our tithes and offerings come in here. This is a place where we can come together and corporately. And I don't have to tell you guys that. You guys are kind of bought into that. But where can our spiritual gifts be really exercised? And again, I mentioned that. But in Colossians, it says, you know, one has a song and one has a word and one has singing melodies in their heart and one is preaching and one is singing psalms. Well, all those things happen, can happen freely again in a house, in a small group setting. But you know what? The most important thing of all is how did Jesus do it? Let's, let's just throw all that aside. Let's say that's not even in the Bible, what I just talked about, which is it's filled with in the Bible. But what did Jesus do? Let's look at what Jesus did. Did Jesus not talk and preach and teach in large groups and in countrysides? He, he met with people. He met with them in the temple. But a lot of the miracles that you see in the Bible, where did they happen? Um, blind Bartimaeus' house, Peter's house where the mother-in-law was the fever, the alabaster box that was broken open, wasn't that in a house? Wasn't it in a house where they broke open the the ceiling, the roof, and let the um, person in and God healed, or Jesus healed them. All through the scriptures you see Jesus doing ministry from house to house to house to house, as well as in big corporate settings. We have a big corporate setting, that's our church. And we come together as the main church. But we also have life groups, which is our church. And they come together in smaller settings. It's all the church. It's not an add-on. Amen? And I, you can tell that I really have a, a hunger to do this because I, I know it's in the scripture and I know that's how our church would grow. Well, what does it look like? Well, they met together daily. It says all through the scripture. They worship. They practice their spiritual gifts. There was teaching. There was discipleship. There was prayer. There was fellowship. There was evangelism. There were souls being saved. They broke bread together. There was communion. There was baptism, both water and spiritual baptism in this Holy Spirit. Meeting together. Let's look at um, Cornerstone now. Meeting together daily from house to house or from different places. Sunday. Today's Sunday, right? So Sunday we've got our corporate setting. But what happens Sunday night with, uh, with the young adults? Hey, they're going to go over Denny's house, and they are going to have worship, and they're going to get the word, and they're going to have probably pizza or something to eat. So that's tonight. So we have our corporate setting tonight. We have our children being taught tonight. We have um, teaching going on between services. So that's cool. That's our corporate setting. What do we do in the beginning of our corporate setting? We're always worshiping God, right? It's a place of worship. So Sunday, corporate setting, just like the Bible, first day of the week. Monday, we have a marriage enrichment class sponsored with Love, Inc. over at the Benzonia um, Congregational Church at 6 p.m. That's on Mondays. Guess what? There's a dinner offered there. Hey, they met around eating and fellowshipping together. And then there's a marriage enrichment class. 
Isn't that kind of like a life group, a home group, or a place where we can meet outside the church? Now, even though it was a church building they're using. Tuesday, Helen's house. Going to be meeting at Helen's house over in Thompsonville, a whole different area on Tuesday, way over there in Thompsonville, which is cool. So all the Thompsonville people have a place to gather and meet. And that's usually at 7 o'clock, but usually Helen has snacks and different things, and sometimes they have a dinner there because we've been there and in different times, so they break bread together. Helen's group has been growing, so we're going to have to do something after it gets to the point where we have to expand it out. Anyway, so that's on Tuesdays at 7 at Helen's house. Um, Tuesdays at the, we call it the Frankfurt Healing Center, but it's a, a building that we're able to take, but it's a, a life group there. We can get actually almost up to 50 people in that one, so that's probably one of our biggest ones. Well, the one on Monday is kind of big. Um, that group meets at 6.30. Guess what we do at 6.30? We eat together. Isn't that kind of what they broke bread together when they went from house to house? It's in the, it's in the Bible. Hmm. And then they, we pray for people. We've actually had people come to that place not to hear the DVD teaching, but actually came there because they heard that prayer was happening there, got prayed for, and got healed. Amen? I mean, you guys have seen it. Chris, you've seen it. Kim, where people just show up to get prayed for. It's cool. Life group outside the four walls of the church. Stuff happening. People growing in God. That's Tuesday. So let's say Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. What's happening on Wednesday? Well, Wednesday, we open up and use this building for what is called healing rooms, where anybody that has a, a physical issue, an emotional issue, a spiritual issue can get prayed for. And what are we running? 75 to 80, maybe even 90% of people getting healed when they come in here. We've got a healing center set up in this church for people to get healed and set free. Hallelujah on Wednesdays. And then after that, we have a corporate prayer meeting where we're praying. So we have a prayer meeting and a healing center. That's Wednesday. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What happens here? The youth are all here, aren't they? We got this place loaded down with... Anybody, anybody been here on a Thursday and seen what goes on in here? Now, there's been a little bit of a dip, and I think they're going to come back up because of uh, summer. But sometimes there was many as 55 or so... Um, would that be close to being right? I know that Missy knows because she always comes and prays for him. She's our healing rooms person who puts healing rooms on the Thursday night. <laughs> um, all those kids here. But also the Royal Rangers and the Missionettes meet on Thursday. So now we're teaching kids again. And we also now have child care on Thursday. So that's... Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Pastor Brenda's going to open up her house on Thursday. And the coolest thing about that is anybody got children? Anybody have children? Okay, all you that have children can drop your kids off here on Thursday because there's child care. Go over there, be part of a, an adult life group, get a little break from... Uh, no, I'm sorry. I won't say that about your kids. Go over there and have an adult life group. Come back here and get your kids who are being taught. So that's on Thursday. There's really no excuse. Let's see, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. What's happening on Friday? We've got two life groups on Friday. One of them's not even listed out there. we got one at the Lee's house, and also they're going to work with um, Kirk and Jody and switch off every week. That's on, out in Interlochen and in Beulah. And, there's a, and I'm going to teach you how, tell you how to sign up for all these in a moment. And then... Um, Linda came to me between services and said, uh, there's some folks that want to have a Friday night 
in Traverse City near her house. So now we got one Friday night in Traverse City at her house. It's not even listed out there. There's not even a sign up for it. And then I had someone come to me and say, you know, I would like to do one for, for children and have children DVD um, at the house just for a few weeks. So we're going to have all these pop-up ones that are all over the place in different houses where you could have maybe three to five weeks here or maybe a six-week thing over here and, and so on. So now that's Friday. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. What happens on Saturday here once a month? Let's see, we have Cornerstone Connect. We have a men's Bible study, a women's Bible study, a young adults and youth Bible study going on where we come here and worship, and we have a band, no, no preaching, just worship and worshiping the Lord on once a month called, we used to call it Glory Night. It's called Cornerstone Connect, so that's Saturday. Let's see. And they met together daily. Let's see, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every single day of the week, there's something going on where you can get connected in. So there's not a day of the week that you can't get connected in somewhere. Does that follow the model that they went met together daily and from house to house and from place to place? We need to get back to the and stay focused on the New Testament model because it's the New Testament model which was called the church which Christ created and, and we want to follow that model. Amen? That's why I'm passionate about life groups. Life groups are not just some add-on to a church. Okay? Does that make sense to you all? Um, matter of fact, if you look at the future, what's coming, it's on that one sheet over there. Once we get the new building uh, up, we've got a whole bunch of other things that we're planning to bring into the church that kind of fits the New Testament model. But I want to read something out of Acts, because these are all just tools that we're talking about. And unless we're filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in unity, none of this stuff really matters. It's got to be the holy, under the control and power of the Holy Spirit, and it's got to be done in unity and in love. And so Acts chapter 4, if you all can turn there, Acts chapter 4, verses 31, 32, and 33. See, what happened in Acts chapter 4 is, in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, right? Boom, church is formed. And they get filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, they're running into some issues. It's almost like, I want more Holy Spirit. Boom, they get filled with the Holy Spirit again. I know that um, Amy had mentioned in the prayer room that what she saw is when Paul went out, it says Paul went as he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, as he was in the Spirit or walking in the Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit. Bartimaeus. Silas, all, as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we begin to touch others in life groups, in our churches, in our homes, and wherever we're at. It's the infilling of the Holy Spirit that's got to empower us in the church to be a church. And then verse 31, it says, and when they prayed, the place was shaken where they assembled together. Amen. 
we need to have that type of powerful prayer where we pray in unity and this place begins to shake or from our life groups we pray and the place begins to shake because of the unity and because of the power of the Holy Spirit coming on us and I call that forth in this place over Cornerstone right now and over each of you individually that you individually are shaken that your home is shaken that our church is shaken that the life groups are each shaken by the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon us and when they had prayed, the place where they had assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Because that's what it's all about. It's about the Great Commission. Yeah, we're supposed to get filled up. Yeah, we're supposed to get discipled. Yeah, we're supposed to meet together. But if we're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and touching other people with it and expanding out, it's a social club. Verse 32. And now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither did anyone say that any things he possessed was his own, but they all had things in common. And the great power, and with great power, I want to say that again, and with great power, because that's the Holy Spirit's power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How would you like to have great power, great grace on you? As we're filled with the Holy Spirit, as we follow the model that Jesus modeled in his word for us, great things are about to take place, not only in Cornerstone, but in this area. And I believe it starts with life groups, people doing life together in circles and homes. And again, I, I noticed one of our life groups was almost already overfill. And uh, the person says, do we draw a line and say we can't take anymore? I says, no, we erase that line. Let's fill them up and overfill it. Let's, let, uh, let's say you only can hold 15 people and 25 sign up. Keep letting them sign up because you know what we're going to do with that? We're going to start another life group from that group. That's how church expands. Do you get it? You, I mean, are you all getting it? You guys, some of you are looking at me like, oh, boy. <laughs> well, I did mention some life groups back there. Um, and I was saying back there, because we have sign-ups there, we're doing our kickoff for our life groups um, starting today. And many of them are starting um, as early as Monday. As a matter of fact, as early as today, the young adults are meeting this afternoon. And then we also have some starting Monday. Please go back there and sign up. Get, get knitted into one of these life groups. If you're a member of the church, or even if you're not a member of the church, please, please, I beg you, I urge you that this is the New Testament model. And if you want to grow, if you want to get knitted in, if you want to exercise and learn and grow in your spiritual gifts, that this is the way to do it. Get knitted in somewhere. Sign up for one of them. If you've got children, sign up with one that has child care so that your children um, will get it too. Because the child care will be teaching the kids too. Father, I just ask, Lord, help us to follow your biblical model. Help us to follow how you set it up. Church growth happens when we follow how you set up the church to go. The gates of hell will not prevail against Cornerstone. The gates of hell will not prevail against your church. We just thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you. And if I could have uh, Amy come up, because I'm going to close now, because, again, I wanted to just share with you about the Holy Spirit.
the morning service, we just ended with letting people know, please go sign up out there, but also to have everybody come forward, and we're going to just lay hands on you and ask for another infilling of the Holy Spirit on you. Um, all of us can use an, an infilling of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask um, those who are part of the healing rooms or prayer teams that we've got two anointing oils over there and one over here. And if you all can get those anointing oils out, maybe have three lines of um, prayer teams. And then if people, after we get the lines of prayer teams, I just want you to come up, get in one of the lines. We're just going to lay hands on you for a fresh infilling a fullness of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Amen. How many would like to have more of the Holy Spirit? How many don't care? <laughs>